It's time for Cofield and Company's UNLV football opponent preview. Let's break down UNLV versus North Texas. All right, rolling on here from Silver Sevens. We just had Bobby S. stop by. Almost assaulted me. Pick up the $25 free entry. Free entry in the $25 Pro Pick'em Contest. We're giving away today and next Thursday, Silver Sevens. That was actually Swervin Irvin. Bobby S. was the first guy who came up a couple minutes ago. That was Swervin Irvin. So he comes by every week. So, but, yeah, but, I, but both of them say, snuck he, up on me. He did say he he said back in his day he would have, he would have beat you up. So Irvin was the one that came out of nowhere on my left. Yes. Again, Danny, this is all your fault. Not so dangerous, Danny, huh? Yeah, all your nickname's Dangerous Danny, and you're not protecting John. All of them terrified me. All right. Let's get into North Texas. I'm like, all right, let's get into North Texas here. We've been doing the Mountain West Conference or UNLV football opponent previews for the last seven, eight weeks, right? And I'm familiar with everyone on the schedule because I got to see a lot of them last year. North Texas, not so much. So this is like a real fact-finding mission here on Cofield and Company. Hank Dickinson is the color voice, longtime color voice, and he, he's a Denton guy. Hank is up with us after a long day of travel. Are you back home? I am home. Uh, my yard is completely burnt to a crisp, but the temperatures are finally settling down out here after about, I don't know, seems like 40 days of 105 plus every day. It's like in the 80s as I get home, so kind of nice. Okay, first of all, I'm fascinated by the yard is burnt because you guys have had hot weather and you have big water restrictions, right? Didn't they put rules in a lot of Texas that you can only sprinkle uh, the uh, the lawns and all the plants, like a, a, a very small amount now? Evidently, the kid that I left in charge of the yard um, adhered oh, to those no. rules, my oh, okay. because, it's, yeah. yeah, it's gone. Yeah. Oh, no! It's, oh, no! Oh, right. It'll come back, right? Yeah, come back. well, but, but, you know, I'm, you sound like you work hard on it, so, that, you know, if you work hard on it, that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of a disaster. That's disappointing. Well, it's football season, so normally the yard goes, you know, in the second place anyway about this time of the year. So. That's a good point. Uh, all right. You know what? Like I said, this is a, really a fact-finding mission. We want to talk North Texas football in a second. But first of all, tell us about Denton because you're – are you Chamber of Commerce, Denton? So, like, you, you really are, like, true and, you know, true Denton guy. <laughs> well, I worked for the athletic department for over 25 years, and then I retired as an athletic administrator, but they were nice enough to want to keep me on the, the radio network. So I keep my uh, – I keep my mean green life alive. But yeah, I do work for the, the local chamber, uh, selling memberships. And uh, I did corporate sponsorship for a long time, so a lot of the same accounts are out there for me. And uh, Denton's been a great place, at least for me. And I think, uh, you know, most of the kids that come to school at North Texas, they end up uh, wanting to stay attached to Denton. It's a, it's a great college town, not just North Texas, but Texas Women's University is here. So we're actually one of the bigger college towns that probably nobody really considers in that realm. We've got over... 50,000 college kids here between UNT and TWU. Wow. That is cool. That must be a really fun town uh, for the kids. I don't, I don't know if you still dabble in that. You know, we all get a little bit older. We all have to dial it down a little bit. Well, I got my places. I try I try not to be at the same place. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good place. And we, you know, we're just north of, of Dallas and Fort Worth, so there's a lot of good opportunity here. Um, but Denton has its own little vibe, and uh, we're proud of it. And it's a, it's a pretty well-funded football program. I know it's been building over the years, but uh, talk about that because funding is so important. All the, you know, A lot of the schools I've been to that UNLV plays, you kind of see the ups and downs in terms of what kind of money is being put into the program. 
Well, you know, when we first started playing UNLV, at least when I was first uh, acquainted with, with playing the Rebels, we were not funded that well back in the, in the uh, mid-90s going into the aughts. But we started to have some success in football, and I think it turned some of the leadership on campus to, to understand that if you want to play with the big boys, you know, it's an investment. And certainly the current president and the current athletic director have done a good job working in tandem to get facilities where they needed to be. Um, I was a part of, of the, uh, the building of Apogee Football Stadium, but they've since done a great job with an indoor practice facility, which is something that's sorely needed here, uh, not just you know because it's a recruiting tool, but the weather changes a lot in North Texas, and you do lose a lot of practice time if you don't have a place to go indoors. I got to see uh, UTSA close up last year. How does the how does the football program compare? You know, in terms of funding to a school like that that has really gone all in. I think their coach is making like north of uh, isn't he making like upper two, uh, low three million dollar in terms of salary a year. Yeah, I think North Texas and UT San Antonio both have, have understood that if you're going to get the right guys in uh, in the coaching spot, you're going to have to pay for them. If you want to retain them, you've got to pay their their assistance. You know appreciable amounts. UTSA obviously is playing in San Antonio at the Alamo Dome. Uh, North Texas has a much, I think, nicer fit with a, a gorgeous you know, campus stadium. But that's two programs right there that, uh, that don't like each other, and it's a pretty good little rivalry. And so our fans get pretty fired up when UTSA is mentioned. And last year, you know, they were cruising along with a, a ranked record, 15th in the nation, and came into Apogee. And North Texas put it on. So I, I think that is a rivalry that uh, we've wanted and looked for for a long time, and it's certainly a real one right now. So looking at the program uh, for North Texas, back in 2017, the first of consecutive nine-win seasons, they make a berth in the Conference USA title game. Three years, though, 19-20, and then last season, all sub-500 records. Uh, so what's been going on in the past five years or so with North Texas after a promising couple of years under Seth Luttrell? You know, Seth has done a great job uh, when you just look at what he inherited and everything he's done since that time. But certainly, he was able to really make things work with Mason Fine at quarterback. And that was a kid who a lot of people would not have looked at coming out of high school because of his size. But Seth had already scouted him and knew he was perfect for his spread offense. Um, since losing Fine to graduation, you know, 2020 is a year that I'm not going to hold against anybody. That was such a strange year to be traveling and trying to make things work. You just you had so many COVID concerns that you couldn't you couldn't really figure out where to go, you know, and how many kids were you gonna have that didn't knock out, you know? so that is a year I kinda push off. Twenty twenty one we started out slow, one and six, and then jumped back into becoming a run based offense and resurrected the entire season and got back to a bowl game. So I think what you're gonna see is is uh Certainly some spread offense, but I think that run base is going to be a lot more prevalent heading into this year than maybe it would have been two or three years ago. Yeah, and that's kind of what I wanted to build on because uh, last year uh, it was kind of a low for North Texas in terms of points per game. Uh, they were frequently a team that averaged over 30 points per game. So with eight guys back, uh, what can UNLV be in store for when they face them? Well, you got four fifths of your offensive line back, and it paved the way for the best running game in Conference USA. You've got Four running backs, all sophomores. Oscar Attaway was probably going to be the star last year, and then he got hurt. And so the three guys behind him did a, a terrific job. We also had DeAndre Torrey, who was a, a fantastic runner last year. But the bottom line is you've got a stable of running backs and a really dependable offensive line. You've got a quarterback who's uh, got a lot of experience behind him now in Austin Ani. He's being pushed by a, a portal uh, 
transfer guy, Grant Gunnell, had been at Memphis and at Arizona, so he's got Power Five, you know, background. Uh, I, I think you're sitting in a really good position right now, and you've got a bevy of receivers that um, I think are poised to make some really big plays. So it'll be a sprinkling of that spread, but again, I think they learned last year to help a defense out, eating up clock and running, and uh, you know, as they say, if you've got the ball, the other team doesn't. And I think they learned last year that that's that's something they want to stick to. Hank Dickinson, voice of North Texas, as North Texas is in Vegas on September 17th at Allegiant Stadium. Have you looked forward at all to uh, sort of scout UNLV, a team that went 2-10 and ten a year ago but also lost uh, six games uh, inside of eight points? They went 0-6 in games decided by eight or less. Yeah, I certainly have looked ahead, and I know how it can be with a team when you know you're close and you just haven't turned the corner, uh, you know, You've got a coach there that really wants to see that needle move this year. So inspiring those kids to get past whatever it was that stopped them, sometimes if you can have early success, then uh, you know you turn that corner. I look back to a team that was much like that in 2013 here at North Texas. They had been close but no cigar. They were you know, kind of just ready to win, and that was a season that culminated with playing UNLV in the Heart of Dallas Bowl uh, on, a, you know, on a New Year's Day Bowl or the Cotton Bowl. That was that kind of team that people didn't think they were going to come out and do what they did. But if the locker room is right and you can turn those frustrations into celebrations, you know, you can have a big year. And it looks like UNLV might be poised for something like that. So tell us the story of uh, conference realignment when it comes to North Texas and some of the other schools uh, in this conference. Is there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking in the next couple of years. Well, and I think, you know, that the schedule for North Texas changed dramatically when the three of the schools from Conference USA decided to go ahead and bolt. And when it flipped, then suddenly you're a North Texas team having to go on the road to begin the year in league play at UTEP. And normally you'd say, okay, no big deal, you're going to UTEP. But UTEP has certainly turned their program around in the Dana Demo. And, you know, you're likely going to be opening the season on zero week against a full house at the Sun Bowl. So that's a tough way to get started. Um, a lot of what we'll see as we move out of Conference USA to the American is it'll look fairly familiar because of the, the teams that are moving on. But I think across the board, for a program like North Texas, the move to the American is viewed by our fans as a, as a real step up. What do you think is ultimately going to happen with that region, with, say, the Big 12? Is it going to stay together or... Because, uh, you know, we're going to talk. We haven't really gotten to it yet. But the Big Ten deal, to me, with that much money, the Big Ten can start plucking some teams from some of the other Power Fives. And then I think there's going to be a spillover effect. So I have no idea what college football is going to look like when it comes to a group of five in, like, five years. Yeah, it's going to look a lot different. And, I mean, now's a perfect time to rebrand the whole thing. Change the conference names. Uh, make them make sense. Uh, you know, the, the regional alignments and – the numbers that we assign to these different conferences don't even add up anymore. So maybe it's a time to just completely rebrand the whole thing. But, uh, you know, when you've been fighting like a North Texas and a UNLV to, to be with, quote-unquote, the big boys all along, um, it can get disconcerting. But I think what you have to do is just continue to do what you can and who you are. I look at UNLV and North Texas, and I look at the money they put into recruiting facilities. I mean, certainly for the Rebels playing at Allegiant, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, and they're a destination. Uh, North Texas is sitting in the middle of a, a huge area where everybody comes and recruits. So trying to get some of these uh, players to consider staying closer to home rather than trying something else, that's always the trick. But um, I think there'll always be a place for the G5 schools and the fan bases. The problem is with all of this movement, 
it just smells like, uh, you know, the fall of the Roman Empire. Just too much success yeah. and it's starting to catch up. I wanted, last one, I wanted to lean on your experience as a college administrator. And this one's a little bit out of your region, but I don't know if you saw the story because it's been brewing for a while that UCLA basically didn't tell the regents in the uh, UC system anything about this Big Ten move. And, you know, since then, Cal also in the UC system was like, wait a second. You're supposed to tell us you're supposed, this is supposed to be run by the regions, but they did it very secretly. Like, I wonder how how many how many times stuff like this happens and how dicey it gets when schools are kind of just out for their own, you know, when you're part of a bigger system. Yeah, it's kind of like sailing on a pirate ship, right? You're just kind of making the rules up as you go. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm old school, gentlemen. I, I like some decorum and some, some process to everything and checks and balances, and I'm afraid right now we're really veering away from that. Um, at the end of the day, I understand the name, image, and likeness, and I understand uh, the need to have collectives, but I don't know. I think we've got to be real careful because what used to be governed at a pretty high level is now, you know, Pretty uh, wild, wild west, and I think that can be dangerous for college athletics. Are you a Vegas guy at all? Have you been here? Do you have some places that you like? You know, it's been a while. Um, been out there twice with football. I think one time in the 90s we stayed at a non-gaining hotel, and you know, we've always had a good experience out there, not necessarily in the win column. But, uh, no, I have not been to Vegas in probably 10 or 15 years, so I'm looking forward right. to it. But, you know, it, it's a trip. You know, we'll get in on a Friday night, we'll play on a Saturday, and we'll get back on the charter after the game and come back. I think some of our fans are going to try to stick around and maybe catch a Raiders game the next day. I'm not sure who the Raiders play, but uh, there's some folks trying to make a full weekend out of it, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there's a uh, Cardinals game the next day. It's actually the home opener for the Raiders. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, uh, we're going to look forward to it. It's certainly a great opportunity to uh, travel to an exciting place, um, but it's right there in the middle of a demanding start, and Regardless of UNLV's record, you know, the only time North Texas has gotten the Rebels was in the Cotton Bowl at that heart of Dallas Bowl. So we, we've got our work to do. Hank, very good spot. Appreciate you coming on with us after a long travel day. Thank you so much. Hey, no worries, guys. Look forward to seeing you here in a, in a few weeks. Yep, we'll see you out here in Vegas. All right. Bye-bye. There he is, Hank Dickinson, longtime part of the North Texas community. And it's always, you know, it's always interesting talking to experts from schools like North Texas. You know, in this region, we're not real familiar with it. And then he's talking about Denton as a college town with two schools. Yeah. And I already knew North Texas was gigantic, but 50,000 undergrads between two schools in no, Denton. I had no idea. Right? I, I actually – so I know, obviously, about the North Texas football program. You could have given me a million guesses. I would not have guessed Denton, Texas actually, in terms of location. Actually, one of our broadcast uh, radio buddies, Chad, yeah. who lives in Denver, he's a North Texas guy. Oh, really? He's more of a – Wisconsin football guy, for obvious reasons. That's kind of who we grew up on. But, uh, yeah, he's a North Texas guy. So okay, when they do right. well, I get some text on North Texas. And I'll have to ask him about that when I talk to him. He's next. got some pretty good knowledge of it. Okay. He's got some pretty good knowledge of it. This game is massive for the Rebels. It is massive. So North Texas was able to beat that common opponent in UTSA. Mm-hmm. They whooped them at the end of the year. Remember, UTSA went through the season. They were in a monster season, moving up into, like, the top 15 uh, and North Texas beat them 45-23. North Texas they were 10-point underdog in that game. lost, what, six in a row near the beginning of the season and closed with five wins in a row to finish out the regular. The last win was UTSA. And I, I don't know if you remember last year when I talked about the Rebels' schedule as the games went along and what I was seeing. Now, I, I was just talking about what I saw on that day and what the Rebels faced. Um after the UTSA game, for the next couple of weeks, I was like, 
I actually think UTSA was one of the worst teams they played. Really? Like, I, like, I thought in some ways Eastern Washington was better. Really? But Eastern Washington peaked early right. and then faded late. Yeah. Well, because the, the, the way the Rebels played the game against UTSA, Sincere McCormick was this unreal running back who, you know, the prior, prior years had run, and, you know, he had actually signed with the Raiders uh, after his collegiate career, but he had rushed for like 1,400 yards a year the previous two years, and he did, he had like 29 carries for 98 yards. The run D was super stout. Um, I, I didn't think the quarterback was great mm-hmm. for UTSA, but I mean, it, a lot of times it's, you know, what, what you catch on a given day. Say sometimes you just match up a little bit better for whatever reason, John. I've watched I've watched UNLV play multiple times against Wyoming in person, and I'm like, that's what top three pro. Every time I see Wyoming, I'm like, my God, they they freaking play bully football, mm-hmm. super physical. I mean, do they go you know nine and three every year? No, mm-hmm. you're right. Sometimes it is just matchups and you know point in the season, and if you're kind of broken and and bitter, you know, yeah, at the end of the season. So uh, yeah, Texas football. It's it's you know Texas in a lot of ways is similar to what's been going on in Florida. There's just been this this growth of all these kind of directional schools in the state, and there's so many freaking players there. And then guys want to transfer back if they leave and go to a Power Five. So North Texas is expected to probably be. I haven't seen their win total. We'll look it up during the break. But you're talking about a team that's won what four games the last uh, each of the last two seasons. So it was like four and eight, four and six, something like that. Or four and eight, four and six. Last year they won six games. They were right. six and seven. Yeah. Six and seven. That's right. So yeah, four, four, six. So this is a game, UNLV's not a, a giant dog in the game, but based on where the schedule goes with the Rebels, where they have this murderous part in the middle of the year, they really need to win this game. Enter to win your share of $10,000 in weekly prizes. Grand prize cash bonus of a million dollars. Sign up for the William Hill Pro Pick'em Football Contest by September 11th at the Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Moving towards the uh, halfway point of the show, we'll get an update on the latest with uh, one Dana White and fighters griping about fighter pay, and uh, Dana is having none of it. Brad Powers is up in about 15 minutes. We'll talk week zero in college football. We'll talk week one in the NFL, and we'll talk week three, two. I guess really two. It's week three for the Raiders. Week two. In preseason NFL. So one more thing on UNLV football, because you and I have been out there a bunch at practices. Uh, today was more of a walkthrough type practice. <laughs> and quarterback decisions looming, right? Someone's got to start the first game. First game is on Saturday, August 27th. So two Saturdays from now, Idaho State's in town. It's been a good race between Doug Brumfield and Cam Friel and Harrison Bailey, who a lot of people just assumed, hey, he's got the job. He's a Tennessee transfer. So you put together your own faux odds on who will start game one. Theoretical hold of 13%, so, you know, I'm getting some money on this. Is that fair? Uh, uh, For an index prop. Some spots, if you... I was going to say, are you more fair than a lot of books Yeah, I was going to say, some spots, if you crunch the numbers, they're like at like a 30 or 40% hold, so... Because I look at some of the numbers, and I'm like, wow, I can't bet this. Um... So the favorite, according to the odds of John Von Tobel, JVT Sports. There you go. Uh, Doug Brumfield checking in as minus one ten favorite. Odds on favorite to be the starting quarterback. What? Second 
on the odds board, Cameron Friel checking in at plus 175 and Harrison Bailey at plus 310. This is not a commentary on how good I think they are. These are based on my observations over at practice and from what I've seen and the people I've talked to. I've talked to nobody. Um, You've talked to people. Oh, I have a little bit. You don't have to I think this is how it's going to go down. Or I think this is the most logical and probable order if you were going to set odds on it. So what do you say to people when they mention Bailey is a former five-star transfer from Tennessee? He should be the guy. I mean, former is a very key word there, former five-star. And look, I think part of what it would be is he is a new guy. That's exactly it. Brumfield, Friel, both understand what the system is at this point. They've been in it. They're a little bit more comfortable in operating it. And to be quite fair, I mean, when watching them, like I've told you this before, my eyes, I would say, like from arm talent standpoint, there have I, I can remember more outstanding throws during practice that I've seen from Bailey, right? But in terms of consistency, I think Brumfield's kind of been the guy as I've watched. The, operate, the offense in which I've been able to watch has operated at a consistent level when Brumfield's out there as opposed to every once in a while getting a wow throw from Bailey downfield or across the middle or something like that. And I think that's part of the thing what we've seen up to this point. It's very close. Yeah, it's, it's not like we're, splitting, like we're splitting hairs here, I think, between the three of them. Uh, myself and John will be on it, and Caleb Herring are doing a new podcast, UNLV L Access. We just launched it a couple weeks ago. It's going to be part of the uh, Learfield podcast page. We uploaded it, put it out today on social media, at Steve Cofield, at UNLV All Access. It'll be up at LV Sports Network and ESPN Las Vegas and my Facebook and all that. Uh, we broke down the offensive line, talked to the offensive line coach, TJ Woods. We talked defense with one of the defensive stars, LAL Ahimere, who's on the uh, D-line, the def- uh, defensive coordinator, Keith Hayward. And we spent about 25 minutes in the middle of the podcast talking about the quarterbacks, and Caleb is – Ridiculous, when because he, he's so technical and he just sees stuff as a former quarterback that we don't. His breakdown of Cam Friel, you should listen to it. I'm not going to spoil it. His breakdown of Cam Friel might have you put Friel a little further back and a little closer to Bailey and have Brumfield as a little bigger favorite. Okay, I'll, that's the tease. I like. I mean, look, I will say this. So I've been to practice I think three times with uh, Caleb. I I'm, I don't know if he notices this or not. I almost follow him around. Like, cause I'm just like asking him questions, like, "Oh, what do you think about that?" Huh? Like, cause he's great. Like, and he's he's obviously very knowledgeable about it, and he sees things you mentioned that I don't. So I'll throw questions at him and pepper him with stuff, and it's absolutely fantastic. I've said it for four years doing games. I'm like, I think that's how long it's been. Whatever, just three yeah. or four. Um, so I get to listen to the whole game, right? Obviously, I have to because I'm talking to them during the game. Right. But his view of a play from upstairs, right after a play, it, it it's it, it blows you away. Like he sees everything on the field. And he's especially with the quarterbacks, he'll say it, man. It's like, hey, that got out too late. You missed this. There was this guy down here. Or the protection broke down. Hey, the quarterback, that wasn't his fault. He's really, really good on the game. Silver Sevens, halfway point of the show. We're here every Thursday. Cofield and company, happy hour, 3 to 5, 277 on beer, margaritas, and shots. You can get drinks from the... Bud Light Lounge, the silver and gold is the bar right near the William Hill Race and Sportsbook. Come on down here. Do happy hour on a Thursday at Silver 7s at Flamingo in Paradise. Awesome giveaways and promotions all week long at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7s Hotel and Casino. You're live with the Fat Pack 
on Cofield and Company. I don't care if the sun don't shine. I do my drinking in the evening time when I'm in Las Vegas. We have a lot of Mr. Vegases. You can sit in the sun and camp. What? A lot of people, hey, this is their town. I know. Dana White is one of those guys. I just laughed because uh, a mutual friend of ours, Matt Humans, uh, has a very strong disdain that I didn't know about until recently for one of the Mr. Vegases. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right, tell me during the break. Pretty vitriolic. Wow. <laughs> These things happen. Not everyone's going to like everyone. But it's just one of those that came out of nowhere. Like, it's somebody to me who, I would have, like, it's just right. somebody who's never registered to me. Right. Even though he's an older character. And I'm like, oh, okay. Interesting. Dana White, right now, I would say in the crosshairs, but I would also say he doesn't care. But when he does get worked up, I guess he does care. So what's the latest now? There's been a, a thing the last couple of weeks where I saw one small quote, and I was like, maybe that's out of context, where Dana White was saying, you know, the, the fighters are never getting pay raises as long as I'm around here. And I'm like, I don't know. I think there might have been a little more nuance to the comment. But what's been happening in the last couple of weeks with Dana White? So I'll set this up, and uh, I'll, Ari, I'll tell you when. Um, so he did an interview with GQ, and it was, like, on YouTube. So it was on video and audio. We, we got the recording of it. And, you know, it's one of those where they ask different questions or he answers listener questions. And the first one, or one of the first ones he's asked, is about fighter pay and the desire of fighters to be paid more. And this was his response to one of the questions. Listen, there aren't too many things you can talk about the UFC about. If you look at what we've done with the business in the last 22 years, it's incredible. Never been done, ever, the things that we've done in the fight business. You always have to have something to bitch about, I guess. And fighters always want to make more money. Boxing has absolutely been destroyed because of money and, and, and all the things that go on. It's never going to happen while I'm here. Believe me, these guys get paid what they're supposed to get paid. They eat what they kill. They get a percentage of the pay-per-view buys. And the money is spread out amongst all the fighters. If you don't like it, there's a simple solution to this problem. Go start your own MMA organization. No barrier to entry. Knock yourself out. Pay them whatever you want to pay them. It's been done before. How's it worked out for other guys? Not well. Mind your business. So, will you, what do you think of people who talk about UFC fighters being underpaid? Will you pay them more? It's never going to happen while I'm here. We heard it. It's exactly what he said. Well, of course, it's a pretty big quote from the guy who is at the head of the UFC, especially with such a hot topic. I guess Dana was really mad that somebody used his quote, as he said, out of context. Then you said, it's never going to happen while I'm here. And I know ESPN for sure took that, and a lot of people took that as pay raises are never going to happen because that was a headline on ESPN. Pay raises mm -hmm. never going to happen. Uh, the rest of it was, believe me, these guys get paid what they're supposed to get paid. They eat what they kill. They get a percentage of the pay-per-view buys, and money is spread out amongst all the fighters. So are you really – So wait a minute. What you're telling – wait a minute. What you're telling me is some scumbag media guys out there watched an interview that wasn't even theirs took it out of context and wrote stories about it saying the fighter pay is never going to go up. I'm fucking shocked. Well, Come on. Know. Get the fuck out of here. You shouldn't even be writing a fucking story about anything unless you do the fucking interview. You're going to watch a, a fun ha-ha GQ Q&A. I need the whole entire clip, it. Ari, because he just goes on like that for a good, like, 60 seconds. What is he mad about? <laughs> I kind of, like... I'm kind of amazed 
because this is like this is the thing now, right? I could right now, Steve, say something, right? Just shocking and ignorant and wrong, and I'll be pulled. And tomorrow, I can go. I never said that. I don't know what your problem is. You took it out of context. Like out of context, it was your quote. We played your words, and it's not like a big story because that's what Data White does. I'm I'm just kind of amazed that there's still people who are like. Go get him, Dana. That's right. Those piece of bleep journalists. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Queen, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, yo. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting. Betting. With Brad Powers. Brad's coming up here in just a little bit. John Von Tobel, also a gambling expert from VSIN. In on this Thursday, it's Cofield. Silver Sevens is the spot. I'll, I'll get into the in a second. We've got free entries. These are $25 entries, free entries into the William Hill Pro Pick'em Contest here at Silver Sevens. Flamingo and Paradise. Just come up, ask for them. You're in. You just pick NFL games. $1.2 million in prizes during and after the season. Very cool. We're hooking folks up this week next week and hopefully the week after as long as supplies last are you in any contest uh, i have not entered yet i'm still debating on which ones i do want to enter and what i'm going to do are which you going to be in are you going to do any of the big boy contest uh nugget so that's the debate right westgate now. yeah circa we're looking at somewhere between a thousand and 1500 so uh i did the super contest last year by myself and i did a good job i got out with some money um, for those who don't remember my perilous story, I actually uh, placed in one of these six-week mini contests throughout. Um, would have gotten <clears throat> into the pool for $50,000 if the Colts had not blown that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but that's another story that I'll sure get over one day. So I don't know like if I really want to, because i got to tell you, Steve, it's not that it was stress. It was just like, man, on top of betting regularly and right, like getting picks and putting them in and doing all that stuff, I don't know if I'm just going to do, like, I love to do last man standing over at stations and maybe enter one of the smaller pick'em contests, debating whether or not to join the contest over at the Golden Nugget if that one goes off because that's like a super small group of people who are entering that. It might be a pretty good opportunity to join that. So I'll say this. If the Golden Nugget contest does happen, I think I'm going to be in it. Attractive because the option of both college and pro. Yeah, and, I mean, it seems like 200 people maybe. Smaller field. Yeah, smaller field, so absolutely. Circa's gotten big. It has. and it, I mean, what's the, By the way, what's the overlay now? I saw it we'll last time I was, I was down at Circa last weekend because I'm everywhere. Yeah, uh, you are. And I thought, it, I thought they were advertising the overlay. It's still around like $4.3 million. Right, and that's going to obviously – They get a late rush. Yeah, they do. And like Super Contest weekend is this weekend, so that rush overlaps. So you'll, be, you'll get people that come in this weekend. And I don't know when their weekend is. It's either coming up or may have already passed. I think it's coming up. Uh, but a lot of people will come and travel to Vegas in the last couple of weeks leading up and they'll come and join all the contests at once. So you'll see that shrink down here in the next couple of weeks. It won't be that big. But, you're, I mean, to the point, it got really big where, you know, the pool over at Westgate, and they added, by the way, to their contest, which is why I also entered last year too, more opportunity to win more money. Um, it's only good for people like us, right? Competition in a market just breeds competitiveness amongst the operators. And so, like Westgate, 
putting in more mini contests, opportunities to win stuff. I mean, it's only good for you or me. I wonder if there's ever I, – I ask gambling experts this one every year, but I guess because of, uh, you know, the rules against crossing state lines with sports gambling, will there ever be a giant national, you know, World Series type contest for football betting? You know, you've got all these books that have entities set up in all these different states. Will it ever be knocked down where, you know, a company can have a 25-state contest? I'm, well, I think DraftKings puts together a multi-state contest. But isn't each state separate? It, but it's it, I, I I'll double check, so I don't want to speak. Yeah, to I don't I don't know end. if they can do a, like a national contest. I, I don't. It's not. I know it's not every state, right? Because certain states have different you know right. parameters and whatnot. But I do believe they do have a multi-state contest that is an action. I'll take that yeah. from you on DraftKings. If you want to say that, I'll accept it. Why would you say that? I don't know. You might have some ties to them. Veasan <laughs> was purchased <laughs> by them and loose ties. Oh, I don't know if you my corporate overlord. I don't know if that was public yet. Well, yeah. What? I'm kidding. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, isn't it? I was like, you got me worried now. I was like, wait, am I so deep in that I thought it was just like public knowledge and it wasn't? You're in trouble. That was all beneath the surface, right. man. What are you doing? I've just been in so deep for the last few months. I had no idea. So coming up, preseason football. I have a bet tonight. Or first of all, before your bet. No, you know what? Give your bet. I want to hear the bet. Bears, Bears, Seahawks, and uh, Bears are what? Three. Catching three and a half. That's what I took. Yeah, they're on the road catching three and a half, four. Yeah, I, t- I took I took three and a half with Chicago. I'm kind of so we get the news that Drew Locke's not going to play. Uh, I'm seeing look Pete Carroll. Is he warming up? Look at him. Look at him. Get him in there. He's out there. Look at him. He's playing safety. Look at him. Wow. He's breaking on balls. He's like day. a young Pat Riley out there running around. Okay. He is in good shape. Which, by the way, Ry- I don't know. Have you watched uh, Have you watched Legacy yet? The Lakers Hulu no, documentary. No, 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 it's gonna. It's good. No, it's good. No. It's off to a good start. I'm not. I'm oh no, it's really good. I've, I've had it Let with me, the legacy no, no, stuff. No, no, no. get it. You were no, good. No, but you want to watch it because one of the guys uh, one of the guys who came out and said he got slammed unfairly from winning time was Jerry West. Yes. You can see in legacy, <laughs> they can't really sugarcoat. Like, he was sort of an angry guy. He admits. He's like, I was not a good coach. Like, he was a terror as a coach. And, bruh, I don't want to spoil it. Okay, bruh. L- listen. That when the Lakers moved on from Paul Westhead, right? Mm -hmm. Because Magic wins a title his rookie season. That's when Kareem goes down. Uh, Magic has to go to Philly, play center. Jerry wants him to play the four. A lot of center. Well, he wasn't a coach, right? (laughs) Um, It's Paul Westhead who had to take over for Jack McKinney, who got hurt early in the season with a devastating head injury. So Magic helps him win the title, 42 points, 15 rebounds in the final. The next year is not good. They get bumped in the playoffs by the Rockets. They come back the following year, and they've had it, right? They've had it with Westhead. Magic acts like a child, which no one talks about now in his legacy, that Magic was a petulant baby at 22 years old and pulled a, it's him or me. So every time you hear Kevin Durant analysis, players these days, you know, where Durant's like, hey, it's me or them. Magic did the same thing in his third year. And Kareem came out and hammered him. Which I, I actually I want to get someone on about this. I would, I would love to know why Kareem didn't go. You know what? No, it's him or me. I want the coach here. What would the Lakers have done? Yeah. If Kareem's like, no, Coach Paul stays. Screw Magic. But anyway, so I bet the Bears plus three and a half. I know, I know, I know. We're gonna, <laughs> no, we're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to it. We got, we got time. I just, I thought we we went from Pete Carroll warming up on the field really quickly to. 
petulant NBA players. That well, because awesome. I, I tied together yeah. how like old old active Pete Carroll and old active Riles, who's seventy eight, who still does like five hundred push ups a day. Does he? Real, real quick to end this, um, I'm not going to spoil it. The 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 decision Jerry Buss made after Paul Westhead on his coach is amazing. It it was it would be one of the biggest disasters of 2022. So I'm not going to spoil it. And what's it but on? When I watch, it's on Hulu. Okay. And it's at the beginning of episode two. But as you watch it and you think of today's media, you'd be like, "Holy crap! What was Jerry Buss doing? He looks like a buffoon." Well, and that's why, like, not, I won't spoil it. I know, and that's why today, you know how I feel about this topic. Like players from back then are deified to a certain extent because we didn't have the connection with the players that we do now. Yep. We we weren't privy to their every thought because they have you know a phone at their fingertips to say it out loud. Um, you know, can I also say? Can I also yeah. say that I do believe now? I'm not, I'm not 75 years old, right? So you know, I was 12 when the Lakers went through the beginning of the uh, magic era, but I knew about it, but I don't know all the details. And when you see, you know, all the, the clips and live videos, you're like, whoa, like I know about it. I do. I really do think that some media people take ownership of their era and are protective of it. Yeah, I can see that. Like Dr. Bus and magic look like horses asses. Right. Cause they're people. They look like horses asses and, and it's basically been kind of covered up. And you know what? It, in, in the end, it all worked out because they went on to be this amazing dynasty. But the way they were acting and the decisions they made were awful. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I'll, I'll give you an example. I think uh, now I'm blanking on his freaking name. I was going to call someone out. Bob Ryan. Oh, yeah. I think Bob Ryan is very protective of those eras. And it's, and it's convenient for older reporters and radio guys to be like, oh, athletes these days. Like, will you cut it out? There were athletes like this back in your day. What are you doing? Of course. That, they knew, that they knew about, that too, by co- the way. That you covered, mm-hmm. and you never revealed behind-the-scenes stuff. Exactly. Because like, Ryan was one of the guys who was like, oh, this is outrageous, the way they're talking about Jerry West. Jeff Perlman didn't pull it out of the freaking thin air. There was some truth to Jerry West was – you know, kind of an angry guy making a transition from being one of the all-time, the logo, to an administrator. Now, he, he eventually adjusted and became a hell of a, a GM and an admin guy. And that's why, like, I'm not – I think I, there are some times where people will come at me or accuse me that I come across if these players are infallible, and that's absolutely not the case. My argument has always been, to your, to, to your point, you should be able to criticize these players – but stop acting like the guys that came before them were these picture-perfect humans that did absolutely nothing wrong. It, it goes back to the same, the, the same tire topic of the physicality of defense back in the day when really all you're thinking about are Knicks highlights from like two different playoff series, and that's it. Right. And we're playing like Lakers, that on a Wednesday in February. Lakers, Celtics, and you right. know, Kurt Rambis and getting walloped. Like, there were a lot of times where it was Olay down the middle. Right. And it was a different level of defense, and the defense on the perimeter wasn't as good. All right, we ran out of time for the Bears Seahawks break. No, I'm kidding. We got time. All right, so what did you do here? I just took three and a half Chicago. That's it. That yeah, was well, yeah, that's we it. had all that time. Yeah. Well, part of it was, you know, we know Drew Locke's not going to play. It sounds like more and more the rumors are getting stronger, the rumble is getting stronger, that Geno Smith is going to be the starting quarterback for Seattle once the season starts. <laughs> it's your guy. This is it. It's finally happening. Um, you see what's happening here, right? What's that? That Pete Carroll's really trying to win, or what's he doing? I don't know. Oh, John, John Schneider is running. He's the GM. Oh, yeah. Pete's doing what he wants John to do. Yeah. Which is, you know, make it look like you're trying. Yeah, Gino's the best guy. 
it's it's completely counterintuitive to not play Drew Locke. Of course it is. We know what Geno Smith is. There is no upside. Of course it is. You you and now Drew Locke is down with COVID. So that's part of my thinking too. By the way, tonight is I think the leash is going to be pretty short with Geno. Right, he's not going to be out there for long. He looked okay in preseason action. So you're probably going to go. You're going to get a Jacob Eason game for Seattle, which I've watched Jacob Eason. Not great. Uh, Trevor Simeon, Justin Fields, pretty solid quarterback duo for Chicago. That's going to get some time today. And on top of that, if you actually look at the numbers, one Simeon was actually really freaking good in that win over the Chiefs. And Fields, when he was kept upright, if you look at the analytics of his game, a short sample size, did pretty well too. So I think overall, I think the market was just a little too strong and fading Chicago when actually. The market forgets they won that game against Kansas City, so Bears three and a half. Bears, Seahawks, regular season, worst team. Oh, Bears. Really? I bet I'm under six, and you can still get them at like 12 to 1 to have the worst record in the NFL. Worth it. You know, I'm going to go very basic on breaking down a team. You don't have any hope that Fields can overcome some of the obstacles, and he is a next-level quarterback. He can do some spectacular things and carry them to wins, as opposed to the Seahawks, as we just described. Gino and Drew Locke are just they are what they are. They're not they're not starting quarterbacks and they don't have upside. I think that Justin Fields is totally capable of that, but I think that his team has sabotaged him to a certain extent in giving him absolutely no room to make that happen. His offensive line is terrible. They've invested next to nothing into it. He's got no skill position talent in any way whatsoever. It's absolutely atrocious. And it sucks because he's gonna get hung out to dry. He's behind a terrible offensive line. He's in a path in which he's probably going to get hurt because he's just going to get the crap beaten out of him. He's not perfect either. And then he's going to be the fall guy. And in a quarterback class that looks pretty deep, they're going to go quarterback. And he's no. going to bet. I'll bet you because, right now because he's not there. You want to? If they I'll finish, bet, I'll, I'll, I'll take that bet. So here's the bet: if they finish, if they have a top three selection in next year's draft, they will draft a quarterback. All right, I want to look into that. Before I make the bet, I mean, think about it. First round picks nowadays are not at the commodity they once were. Look at what Arizona did. Arizona did spent a first round pick on Josh Rosen and went Kyler Murray the next time out. Three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. Jeff Beck tickets. He's playing in town November. Tickets go on sale August nineteenth, ten a.m. Ticketmaster.com is where you can get your Jeff Beck tickets for the Pearl at the Palms November fourth show. But we've got two of them before you can buy them. Ari's got two Jeff Beck tickets before you can buy them. Pearl show at the Palms Friday, November fourth. You can grab your tickets starting up tomorrow, August 19th, 10 a.m., Ticketmaster.com. Call right now, 364-1100, 364-1100, caller 7.